Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. It's all right with you. I'm going to come out here and hang out with you for just a little bit once again today. So last week, if you weren't here, uh, we kicked off a new series, and at the same time, I feel like we kicked a hornet's nest a little bit. Because there's a series that has been on my heart for quite some time, and, and we leaned into it last week, and it's all kind of centering around Isaiah chapter 32, verse 18. So go with me there right now, Isaiah 32:18. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 18 is, is the verse that's kind of the the jumping off point that we're going to use all throughout this series. And it's a verse that I, I kind of stumbled upon during the pandemic. It says this, my people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Now, I understand, and I said this last week, that this is a prophecy so it's pointing toward the future. And I know that this is really moving us towards someday this will be the residence of all of God's people when Jesus comes back, restores everything, finally defeats the enemy, and there's no more pandemics, there's no more pain, there's no more of the, all the things that frustrate us and break our hearts. But I deeply believe that in this verse, we see the heart of God. That in Isaiah 32, 18, God reveals his heart for your home that my people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. I think that's God's desire for your house right now. I think that's what he wants for your home, no matter what home looks like. If it's a mansion or a mobile home, it don't matter. If it's you and the dog or you and a house full of kids, if you're married, single, or whatever, I think God wants you to have a sanctuary a place where when you cross the threshold of the front door and you step into that space, it is a retreat for you because Lord knows we need it. Amen, somebody. That we spend so much of our lives in environments full of pressure and deadlines and cultures that we can't control and spaces that don't always support our faith or our mental health. That so that when we leave an 18-hour shift or a full day of school or wherever it is, and we step across the threshold of our front door that God has intended, designed, desired it to be a safe place, a sanctuary. And then for your sanity and your spiritual growth, you need it. That God wants home to be a unique, special, fortified dwelling for his people. And I think you see all throughout Scripture, God has prioritized home, family. That, that it's a theme. We see the first thing, one of the first things that God created, the way that he was going to build the world was through a family. As he created Adam and Eve and he established marriage and that it would be from that relationship that everything would come forth. That even Jesus was brought into the world through a household of Abraham that God wants our homes to be something special. And I think what we realize is the pandemic showed us that for far too many of us, our homes are not that. That we weren't aware of how dysfunctional our homes are until we were forced inside them for a little while. And the next thing you know, we realize, I don't like these people. 
and these people don't like me, and now what are we going to do? But I believe that, that your house is supposed to be a haven. It's supposed to be a haven. And I even defined that word for you last week, a haven, a, a place of safety, security, and comfort, a place offering favorable opportunities or conditions. I think that's what God wants you to call home. I think your home is supposed to be more than a house. It's supposed to be more than just some shingles, drywall, studs, sheetrock, all that kind of stuff, and that's about all I know about construction, so don't ask me anymore. I think your house is supposed to be a haven. I think God has intended and designed it that way, and I think my heart is broken that this pandemic has revealed that for so many, that's not what they step into when they cross the threshold of their front door, that it is anything but that, but that God intends it to be a place, and I unpacked it for you last week, a place where safety is found. Your home should never be a place where you worry about physical, emotional, verbal abuse. It should never be a place where you don't feel safe. That you should feel most safe in whatever it is you call home. It's a place where encouragement is given. That what's being said within the four walls of your home is shaping you more than you know. At our men's community group, we talk about all the time that godly men say things intentionally because we know that words have weight and they have power. And it's amazing. Some of the meanest things people hear come within the walls of their own home. It's supposed to be a place where peace is experienced. That the chaos in the world would be a lot more tolerable if there was peace in our homes. Amen, somebody. Come on. And it's supposed to be a place of peace. It's supposed to be a place where truth is learned. That family has always been intended to be the front lines of discipleship. We love to be partners with you as a church in discipling your kids, but it is your job. If what we are teaching them at, at here isn't modeled by you at home, say amen or ouch, you choose, come on. It's true. It's supposed to be the place where these things, that the first example of marriage and manhood and how to deal with money and all the other things that are formative in our lives are seen there in that space. It's a place where love is lived. The mission of this church is inspiring people to live and love like Jesus, and that begins inside the four walls of whatever you call home. And now I say I kick the hornet's nest because... Starting Sunday afternoon, I started getting messages from people. And I, I want to take a, a few minutes and just unpack some of the scenarios that have risen to the surface over the last couple weeks. If, no, if for no other reason so that you don't know or you, don't, you know that you're not alone and you can be praying with me for some of these people. Because I had people that say, you know, when you start painting this kind of picture and you lay this picture of, of this kind of home versus the, the one that I'm walking into every day and you see how different they are, sometimes your heart just begins to ache. You with me? Say amen. And I had conversations with people like, like, Matt, I know that's the kind of home that God desires for me and it's the kind of home I desire for myself, but he'll never let that happen. He'll never let that happen. A conversation with people that almost seem hopeless. And if that's you, I'm praying for you, man. That there are so many issues there. 
I had conversations with people like, man, Matt, we, we went home and, and, and we had hard conversations and, and we've, we've opened Pandora's box, can open worms everywhere. It's just, and now all these issues that we knew were there, but somehow we tiptoed around for so long. And so, but now like we've, we brought these things to the surface and now we have to deal with them and harder conversations are coming. And can I just say that if that's you, it might get worse before it gets better. Can I be really honest? You might have to go through hell to get to haven. (laughs) Because to go from house to haven for you might mean you have to wrestle with some really hard, painful wounds that have to be healed. But can I also say, look at me, it's worth fighting for. It's worth it. It's worth it. It might mean you have to do some things that make you uncomfortable and you have to do some things like See some counseling, have some hard conversation. You have to do some really, really hard things, but it's worth it. I had conversations with parents of prodigals. I look in the eyes of moms and dads and grandparents and say, you know what? I gave my child, my grandchild, that haven. Our home was that haven, but now they're grown and they're married, and the home they're living in now is far from the one that they got experienced from me, and my heart's breaking because I don't feel like I can do anything about it. And if that's you, we're praying for you. To look in the eyes of a mom who says, The home my daughter is in is not the one she grew up in, and I don't know what to do. And to see that sense of desperation in their eyes. I also got several messages from single people who live alone, talking about the impact of the pandemic on them. You know, last week we talked about how we didn't realize how many husbands and wives hated each other until they were forced to be around each other for more than just a few hours every single day and how there's been a spike in divorce and all kinds of issues. One of the things that we fail to realize too is for so many people, when the pandemic hit, it didn't push them into a a sanctuary. It pushed them into isolation. And the enemy has leveraged that loneliness in some really negative ways. I had three or four messages from people like that that said, you know what? I live alone and and I have a good home and I have a good job and I have all these things, but then the pandemic hit and and I wasn't around as frequently or as much as I needed the community that I used to have and I was isolated and then I began to just feed that and choose that even more and next thing you know, I don't have the accountability, I don't have the conversations, I don't have the people that I need in my life and the battles I thought I had won, I'm failing at again and I've retreated back to those old behaviors and thought patterns and now here I feel like I've just taken five steps backwards and I don't know what to do. And can I just say, if that's you, let this house be your haven. That it's amazing the way the enemy can leverage loneliness. And and the risk of reaching out to us is not nearly as great as the danger of trying to win those battles all by yourself. And I didn't have this conversation, but I know it to be true, that there are students in this house 
that don't have the home that I grew up in, that every single day they don't step into a place that they feel like they can, can change because they go home to a mom and a dad or a household that doesn't prioritize Jesus or support their faith, and they're saying, man, I want that kind of home, but how do I make it through the one I'm currently living in so I can create one of my own? And I, I, let me tell you all, I, the enemy does not like that we're having this conversation. I felt the, the, the spiritual attacks myself this week. And I really think that the conversations we're going to have as we move throughout this series, the enemy doesn't want us to have, but he can kiss it because we're going to have them because they need to be had. Because if we can change our homes, we will change this world. <laughs> that it has to start in your home. All the things that we're seeing that are broken in society, if we can do it one home at a time, one family at a time, one, like God wants to turn your home into a haven. It is his desire. It is his design. But I deeply believe, and I'll say it probably every week in this series, this kind of home is the only happens where Jesus is Lord, where Jesus is Lord of all, that our only real shot of a sustainable house that becomes a haven is a place where Jesus is Lord of it. And we said last week that these kind of homes, they're built with intention. That a house doesn't transform into haven accidentally. It doesn't just morph into something this beautiful without intention. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes embracing the uncomfort, the discomfort of having hard conversations. It takes the, the, the intention of being transparent and honest about the real things that are going on in your relationships, in your heart, in your home. And part of the reason why everything is so broken is because we won't be honest about it. And over the last years of this church, one things that we one of the things I've discovered is the reason why so many homes aren't havens is because they aren't built with intention, but they're broken by division. They're broken by division. Division. If you had a dollar for every time you've heard that word in the last two years, you could pay for your house. Right? Right? And that, how, how often have you heard that the world is so divided, politics is so divided, so divided, divided, divided. Like we've seen, it seems like everywhere is divided. That there is no place that isn't divided. The church is divided, this is divided. Well, maybe the reason why the world's so divided is because our homes are too. The homes are divided. That constantly we have conversations with people that live under the same roof, but they're not on the same page. A lot of them ain't even in the same book. And if anywhere division is present, bad things are going to happen. And especially within the tight, small confines of what we call home. If we're not all moving together in the same direction, towards the same things, trying to achieve the same goals, trying to accomplish the same things, if we're not fighting for each other, we end up fighting with each other. Luke chapter 11. Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. Like, this is, this is just a, 
universal, eternal principle. Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. Look at me. Your home cannot endure division but for so long. And now look, I'm not talking about like you like spaghetti and he wants cheeseburgers. I'm not talking about like you're, you're a Duke fan and he's a Carolina fan and y'all got that cute little tag on the front of your car. I'm talking about deep division over principles that are guiding big major and minor decisions. I'm talking about being philosophically on different ends of the spectrum that you're fighting against the middle. And I'm not saying there's not room in our homes for some diversity and ideas and thought, but when we are not on the same page about major, important, theological, philosophical things, it's gonna create problems. Y'all with me? Say amen. And here's the problem. Heart divided equals house divided. Heart divided equals house divided. Like the reason our homes are divided is because most of us are living with a heart divided. We keep playing that little game with God of drifting in and out of love with Jesus, depending on the circumstance, the situation, and the season. Y'all ever rode that roller coaster? Like today, I love Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I want Jesus. Whatever you want me to do, Jesus. And then tomorrow, it's like, no, I want to do whatever I want to do. And you're constantly drifting back and forth between loyalty to God and pursuing your own desires. Here's the problem with that. Is in those seasons of drift, when we drift into us being about us, we make decisions that have long-term consequences that even when you drift back, you can't escape. Really practical one. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to honor Jesus. I'm going to be smart with my money. I'm not going to live above my means. I'm going to operate. Then no, I'm not. I have to have it. I'm going to buy it. And now I've just taken on debt that's going to follow me for the next 15 years. And if you don't think debt and financial pressures affect the home, then... (laughs) Heart divided equals house divided. Or we keep going from... And any time... Something other than Jesus is Lord, and that's driving your decisions. It's going to impact everybody within that atmosphere you call home. I've watched it so. I've watched it in marriages far too often. And guys, I'm going to call you out for a second, okay? We have these seasons where she comes home and she says, you have to change because our family deserves better and I'm going to leave and you think, I don't want her to leave. So for a couple months, you act like you got some sense until you're convinced she's going to stay. Then you became the same jerk you were beforehand. And now she's listening to this series and coming home and she might be done. Heart divided. You can't keep playing this game. You keep letting yourself drift from Jesus as Lord to something else long enough. There's consequences for that behavior, for those decisions. And if you're ever going to have a home that isn't divided, you're going to have to have a heart that isn't divided. And so maybe the best thing you can do today is once and for all, surrender yourself fully to Jesus and let him be Lord of all at all times. 
And this isn't new, man. The nation of Israel lived in this pattern of back and forth and back and forth. First Kings chapter 18, the prophet Elijah, right before they have this showdown on Mount Carmel, y'all remember this story? He comes to them and he says, look, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long are you going to keep playing this little spiritual ping pong? Riding this roller coaster? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Like, you got to decide. You can't, keep, you can't keep playing this game. And the greatest threat to your house right now is your divided heart. It's not what she's doing or he's doing or what they're doing. And keep in mind, like I know it sounds like I'm talking to all the married people, but, but single people in the room, you get a chance to make some decisions now. You get to build from the foundation up and not have to go through a big renovation project that some people are going to have to do. You get to decide right now who you're going to be and what's going to matter to you so that you can have unity. Because a house divided will not stand. And a heart divided always leads to a home divided. Psalm 133.1, how good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. Like we know we want, God wants unity in his church. But as I said last week, it will never be reflected from this house if it's not represented in your home. You want us to have unity when your home isn't unified? And when Jesus is Lord, things begin to shift and things begin to change. And if there's, if there's division, you're going to be constantly be fighting over different things. We see it all the time. We sit across from families. We sit across from couples. We sit across from people. And everybody's got their own agenda. Everybody's got their own idea of what's going to be important and what's going to get energy and what's not. And, and when everybody has a different idea of what that's going to be, but you're pulling from the same time and energy and household and resources. There's tension. There's tension. And I want your house to be a house full of fighting. I want y'all to be fighting like crazy for the same things and not over different things. I want, your, I want you to be fighting like crazy. I want, you, I want your house to be full of fighters. Fighting together, not with each other. Fighting for the same idea of your future, for the same values and things that are important. But a house without alignment in values will always be fighting over many things instead of fighting for the same things. Your house, if it's going to be a house that's undivided, a house that's unified, it can't happen without alignment in values. That the main things have to be the main things for everybody in it. The things that are important. Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when you got everybody having a different idea of where the treasure is, you got hearts moving in multiple directions instead of unified heading toward the same goal. That if you don't share the treasure, if you don't share the treasure, you got hearts divided. 
pulling against the middle. And you're fighting over different things instead of fighting for the same things. And that's why it's so important that every heart in the home is surrendered fully to the same God. When we're all serving the different lords, Lord of selfishness and flesh, and it's always going to be pulling us against the middle. And that's why when Jesus said some things about home and family, we often can misunderstand it. But what Jesus is trying to say in the things I'm about to read is really specific because he's trying to say when, when your life is transformed by Jesus, it, just, it, it transforms your heart, but it transforms what matters to you. Testify somebody. When you met Jesus, he realigns your priorities. What used to matter in many ways doesn't, and new things become com- important. And if you've got a home full of people that aren't all pursuing Jesus, they're not all going to be pursuing the same things. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Now, Jesus was not advocating the abandonment of home. But what he was saying is when you choose me and make me Lord, it's gonna cause you to chase some things that are gonna change your life. Matthew chapter 10, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace to the earth, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. And right there, Jesus is not devaluing family or saying he wants disruption. What he's saying is when people under the same roof don't follow the same God, and have the same values, there's gonna be enemies within that home and it's gonna create a level of tension that is almost not manageable. Y'all with me, say amen. That inside the home, there has to be an alignment of values where there's not an alignment of values, look at me, there will be an abundance of tension. That's at the heart of what Paul was trying to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? And what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Now, Paul was not saying we don't have relationships with people who aren't Christians. That's not what he was saying. He said, but to be yoked together to be connected in that level of relationship and you be going two different. Do you know what a yoke is in an oxen? It's two oxen that are bound together and if one decides I'm going this way and the other one decides I'm going this way, it's gonna break both their necks. It's gonna create tension and pain. That there will always be division without an alignment of values and if you don't decide what you value, you'll never be able to set priorities because priorities flow out of values. When you set your values, then you determine what's important and what gets attention. Like when I value my kids, I have to prioritize hard conversations. When I value my marriage, it means I have to prioritize spending time with my wife. Come on, somebody. And without attention to priorities, your house will never be haven. It's amazing what we say is important, yet give so little time to. 
Without Alanda and values, there will always be tension. But without attention to priorities, there will never be real fulfillment in your home. And when you, when you set values and priorities, what you discover is you know what to fight for and what to let go. Now, I know y'all ain't like me. Y'all never fought over dumb things. Y'all never had that conversation where your spouse says, why are we fighting over this? This is stupid. If you haven't had that conversation, you've been married for like 13 seconds. But see, that's what happens is when we, don't, when we don't let Jesus be Lord and let him be the one that's shaping our values and determining our priorities, we let little things become big things and start to beat at us and pull our attention in negative waves and it becomes exhausting. And the next thing you know, when first things aren't first, it gives the devil a foothold to get in and create unnecessary tension and arguments. Matthew chapter six, verse 28. Y'all know this verse. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Like if you, you'll find yourself, if you don't let the Lord, begin to establish the values and priorities, you'll spend time and energy chasing after things that aren't important, exhausting yourself, and keeping you from turning your house into a haven. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That if we're going to go from house to haven. It is built with intention, but it will be broken by division. And division will always be present without an alignment in values that leads to attention to priorities. And that can only happen when Jesus is Lord of all. When every heart in that home is surrendered to Jesus, that is your best, if not only, chance of moving towards the home that God designed and desires to be that sanctuary, that haven, that retreat, that place that you can escape and feel safe and vulnerable and transparent. That Jesus is the one that holds it together. One last verse, Colossians chapter one. It says, the son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And then look at verse 17. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. You feel like your home has fallen apart? There's only one that can hold it together and that can't happen with a house full of divided hearts and so maybe that's the most important thing we could talk about before we get out of here you want your home to be undivided it starts with your heart 
your heart fully surrendered to Jesus. All things under his authority, constantly pursuing him and chasing his desire for every aspect of your life. A house divided cannot stand. It will fall. But a heart divided will always end up in ruin. So you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. And will you take just a moment before we slip out of this room and move into the next phase of our week, before you go home and try to have more and more conversations, before you keep pointing fingers maybe at everybody else in your house. Heart divided, house divided. Do you have your whole heart? Let everything fall into his feet, into his hands, under his authority. Single people, people who live alone, man, you got a, you got a great opportunity in this series to make some really hard decisions, to draw some lines that aren't gonna be movable, to set some standards and expectations for the people that you're gonna be in relationship with as you move forward. Married people, you're gonna have to have some hard conversations. You're gonna have to fight. I want your home to be full of fighters, fighting for the same things, not fighting over different things. From house to haven. If you're in one of those groups I mentioned earlier, you feel helpless because you feel like there's so much in your home that's out of your control, man, we're praying for you. If you are one of those people that lives in alone and you feel that isolation and that loneliness, man, we're praying for you as well. If you're one of those people parenting those prodigals and you're looking out and you're watching somebody that you love in a home that you have no say over its temperature, we're praying for you, man. God, we are lifting every single one of these situations and we're laying them at your feet. And God, as we continue to navigate through this series and, oh man, it's heavy. God, I pray that you would continue just to work, that you would do what only you can that you'd have your way. And that God, that you would help us to always begin with ourselves. That before it starts in our home, it happens in our heart. God, help us to pursue you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, listen, we, we want to come alongside you. We want to know what's happening in your life. Please jump on that Vintage app, hit that respond tab. Let us pray with you, for you. If you need help, if you need some counseling, if you need help, making some relationships, building some community, whatever you need, let your church family come alongside you and serve you in any way that we can. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We love you guys. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next time. Give God some glory on your way out. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Vintage Church app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.